0: Thank you for listening to this message from Tree of Life Church. Our prayer is that it will be a blessing to you and that you will find it helpful for life. So open up your heart to receive God's word for you. Good evening. It's great to be back at Tree of Life. Hallelujah. It's wonderful to be here. There's no way in one, one service, uh, especially a Wednesday night service, I can convey everything I would like to because I'm a serious preacher, meaning... <laughs> I connect all the dots, and, and uh, I, I do a lot of preaching, but I do a lot of teaching too, but we, I, I never just do single messages on a regular basis. In fact, the message I have for you tonight is a month-long series, and I'm gonna condense it into 40 minutes. How many know that God? that God is a God of miracles, right? Well, so uh, with that said, a couple of years ago, when, when I came here for the first time on a Wednesday night, Since Pastor Don's been pastor, I came years ago uh, when the church was in a different location. But I taught on this particular message, but I did not have it in CD form or recorded form yet because it was fresh. And we talk about the transforming power of the Word of God. And we use the word from the Greek that is only used four times in the New Testament, three different times. Uh, two times it's the same, it's the same uh, story related in the two gospels. But uh, it's the Greek word for transforming or transfiguration or to be changed. When we look into the word of God, the Bible says that when we continually behold in the word of God, we can be changed from glory to glory into that same image of Christ. In other words, God wants us to look into the word for change. In other words, we're supposed to be dressing our lives with the mirror of the word, not the mirror of the world. Amen? Amen. So that's what this series is about. It's about the the Greek word metamorphoo, which we know the English word is metamorphosis. In other words, God knew that there would be a spiritual metamorphosis take place in our lives when we embrace the word of God and dress our lives by the word of God. If we dress our lives by the world, we're gonna be transformed by the world. Right. We're gonna be changed by the world. But I don't, don't, the world doesn't have anything for me. That's right. I came out of the world, I already know what's there. (laughs) I already know the end. I want what God has for me, amen? You see, we are spiritual creatures. We are spiritual beings. We are creating the image and likeness of God Almighty. And that's why the world, ungodly people, which we all used to be, that's why we, we have an appetite for the supernatural. Right. That's right. This time of year, I just flipped by something on television the last couple of days on, on some particular station, 31 days of Halloween. In other words, they're showing 31 days of horror movies yeah. and they use the supernatural. Isn't it ironic that today, there are churches that no longer sing about the blood of Jesus, but yet their church members watch movies and television shows that are bloody. Yeah, yeah amen. That's right. That's right. The original ghoul movie, the original Walking Dead, the original zombie movie was the first time that I went to a movie with my mom and my brother. We didn't have a car and it was a drive-in movie theater. So we took our, our thermos, our grocery bag of popcorn and we took our lawn chairs and we waited in line with all the other cars and we would move up when a car moved up. And the teenager at the, at the booth said, well, where's your car? We said, we don't have a car. Well, I guess I don't need to charge you since it's $3 per car. <laughs> so just let us into the movie free. But the movie, I was six years old and the movie was Night of the Living Dead. <laughs> so you wonder why we had fear in our lives? because we're waking up, we're, we're dream, dreaming about zombies, right? But I have good news for you, those are nothing but devils and they've been defeated, hallelujah, yeah. because of the blood of Jesus Christ. Yeah. The blood of Jesus is greater than any bloody zombie or walking dead. Right. I'm amazed how many shows there are, I better go on. But anyway, this talks about the, the transforming, changing power of the word of God. Somebody over here like to have this? Well, I'm gonna give it to somebody over there. And then this one, I won't go into the detail, but it's talking about being a doer of Jesus' words. That's the only way we're gonna please God is to do his word, amen? Somebody over here like to have this? They're, they're all right, for real, I gave it to you. Turn in your Bible wherever you're led and we'll see if you heard from the same Holy Ghost I did. <laughs> I'll turn over to 1 Peter chapter, chapter um, five. 1 Peter chapter five. And what I want to address to you tonight, I'm gonna need some interaction. And I have a simple question for you. I don't, I don't ask trick questions in church. Here's an easy question for you. Who is the enemy of your faith? Who, that's pretty indicative. Who is the enemy of your faith? The devil, Satan, right? But how many realize that the devil rarely comes to planet Earth as himself? In fact, in my Bible, the only time that I can remember that he regularly came as himself. You know, remember, he came in the garden, but he wasn't himself, he was a serpent, remember? But who did he appear to as himself? Jesus, how many times? Three times. Because he knew, he knew that Jesus already knew his tricks. He knew that Jesus would have scoped out and would have figured out, well, You can look like whatever you want to look like, but you're still the devil. But he doesn't come to us as himself on a regular basis. In fact, it's extremely rare. He comes cloaked in other ways. And what I want to talk to you about tonight is how to have victory over the enemies of faith the enemies of your faith. How to have victory over the enemies of your faith. And I'm gonna address three specific enemies that the devil cloaks himself as. Doubt, fear, and unbelief. Doubt, fear, and unbelief. So the devil puts on the clothing of doubt, fear, and unbelief to disrupt our faith walk. And he not only does it to baby Christians, he does it to mature Christians. He does it to every one of us because he does not want us to walk by faith. We are commanded in the word of God to walk by faith. Notice it doesn't say jump faith, it doesn't say leap in faith, it says walk by faith. Numerous times it's mentioned in the Old and New Testament that the just shall live by faith and that we are to walk by faith. The word just means righteous. So those of us who are born again, it's necessary that we must walk by faith. And I love the word walk because it's simple. Everybody understands word it is to walk. It's one step in front of the other. That's all it is. Many people have tried to make faith so difficult, so hard, but it's not. If you can walk, you can walk in faith, amen. amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, get to walking, yeah. amen. That's all it is, it's one step in front of the other. Do you know that God has no pleasure in fearful, weak, and feeble children? Those of you who have your own children, or maybe your children are grown and out of the home, like ours, but now I have grandchildren. God has no pleasure in feeble and weak children. We have no pleasure in feeble and weak children and what do we do? If we have children that are weak, that are feeble, that are fearful or whatever, what do we do? We go to them and we try to train them. We try to counsel them and instruct them and help them establish their life in such a manner where they will not be weak or they will not be fearful. We do whatever it takes to take care of our children. You know, Jesus is the solution to the Father's help for us. In other words, God does not want us to be weak, so he sent his son Jesus to this same dirt ball that we live on with the same demons. You know, they aren't creating any more demons. The same devils, the same Satan that he faced, we faced. And he showed us how to have victory over the devil. Amen. Amen? So that's how you do it as a parent. You show your children how to overcome things. You train them how to overcome things. You teach them. You teach them to recite things, to, to gain an education. Uh, You you teach them how to overcome fear by by getting back on that horse, getting back on that ski, getting, getting, putting that ball glove back on, getting back out there on that court or whatever, going back to the playground. If you just keep them at home, they're gonna be fearful. Well, they always get bullied. Bullying is impossible to overcome. In other words, we will never eliminate bullying on the planet Earth as long as the devil is here. Yeah. Right. Right. We gotta teach our kids what to do with bullies. Right. Right. That's how you overcome bullies, right. is what do you do about it? Number one, you can't go around with your feelings hurt. But number two, you gotta step, you gotta step up to them. Yeah. Amen. Amen. I, won't, I won't get into everything I grew up. I grew up in the hood in North Fort Worth, so I better not go there tonight. But you know, I had an older brother. I I, I learned about bullying at home very early. (laughs) Have y'all found 1 Peter chapter five yet? I've been waiting on you. (laughs) Look at verse eight. It says, be sober, be vigilant because your adversary the devil as a roaring lion walks about seeking whom he may devour. I've asked him to put the Amplified up. Look, Look at what it says in the Amplified. It's a little bit different. It says, be well balanced. That's what the word sober means, being temperate or in control of your temper, in control of your, your, your uh, feelings, in control of your, your soul, having a sound mind, amen? That's what it means to be sober. Well, I thought it meant not drunk. Well, it does include that, amen? So the Bible tells us to be sober. Because you you can't be temperate and sober of mind if you're drinking alcohol. I won't go there. But that's just, the, that's just what the word says. Be vigilant. Now what does what the word vigilant means? It means cautious and it means alert, to be alert and vigilant. Because we have an enemy, amen? amen? We have an enemy. There were times when we were boys when we would hear rustling outside of our window when we didn't have any curtains. We didn't have any blinds because we were poor. And we we could hear it outside. And that that would alert us that something's going on. So we would get up against the wall and we would listen for peeping Tom, peeping Bobby, peeping Joe, we named them all, (laughs) peeping Frank. We would listen for them. And then we would bob up in the window and scream at them. It scared them more than it scared us. In fact, we found places where they wet their pants outside their window. But anyway, here's my point. We were vigilant because in the beginning, that scared us out of our wits. We were vigilant. And eventually, because we threw uh, the Dallas Morning News and the Fort Worth Star-Telegram as boys to, to make money, we would paper mache that window just to cover it up, but we would scratch a little hole in there where we could see out or have a little flap where it would fold down and we could raise it up if we wanted to see outside. We were being vigilant. We've gotta be alert to the enemy's devices if we're going to defeat him. If we're gonna overcome the devil's attacks, we've gotta be aware of how he operates. Right. That doesn't mean we study the devil. Right. But it does mean that we're, we're very well versed in his devices. How do we do that? Read the New Testament. Yeah. Read the Gospels. Because he doesn't have any new tricks since the Bible has been written. He's the same, amen? It goes on to say, for that enemy of yours, and he tells, tells us who the enemy is, the devil, roams about like a lion, roaring in fierce hunger. In other words, he's not a lion, but he walks around like a lion. How many have ever been near a zoo? Maybe you pulled up to the zoo parking lot, and you, maybe it was the morning or the evening when the lions are supposed to be fed, and you can hear those lions roaring. Yeah, they sleep most of the day, but when it's... When it's Hungry time when it's meal time, they go. They don't go meow. (laughs) They're lions, and you can tell the difference between the male and the females in their sounds. And what does it do? What does it do? It's paralyzing, and they're looking. They're looking for that for that hesitation of their prey that they'll be stationary just long enough before they run off to allow those lionesses to crawl up as close as they possibly can because you know that those gazelles and those deer can outrun any lion. But that moment of hesitation allows those lions to capture them. And which animals do they capture? The weak, the sickly, the isolated. But let me be a little more specific. The ones that aren't vigilant. And the same thing happens to us as humanoids. If we're not vigilant, if we're not thinking right, the enemy can capture us and devour us. It goes on to say, seeking someone to seize upon and devour. The King James says, seeking whom he may devour. He may not devour the sober. He may not devour the vigilant. Right. Good. He devours the weak. Yeah. He devours the unassuming. He devours those who aren't alert to his devices and his tricks. Look at the next verse, verse nine. It says, withstand him or stand up to him be firm in faith against the onset, rooted, established, strong, immovable, and determined, knowing the same identical sufferings are appointed to your brotherhood or the rest of the body of Christians throughout the world. In other words, the devil has the same tricks for everybody, the same temptations, the same what Paul wrote in Corinthians, the wiles of the devil, or the strategies and tricks of deceit. He has no new strategies, he has no new tricks. They're all the same. So that's why we can read the Word of God and we don't have to study the devil, we just read the stories in the book and we find out. Well, that's what the devil did to me. Well, the the devil did that to my cousin. The devil did, well, the devil does the same things to everybody, amen? So turn with me over, if you would, to Ephesians, the Ephesians chapter six. Ephesians is a book of authority. The whole six chapters are all about your authority. I encourage you to study the entire book of Ephesians on a regular basis to teach you how to stand against all things that come against you. We're gonna look at one verse here tonight If I'm ever invited back, I'm gonna encourage you to read the whole chapter of Ephesians chapter six as your homework. So I'm giving you plenty of notice. But it says here in Ephesians chapter six, verse 10, finally my brethren, be strong with the Lord and the power of his might. Now look at this in the Amplified, it's very, it's very simple. In conclusion, so he's concluding not only chapter six, he's concluding the whole book of Ephesians by his statement because this was a letter written to the church at Ephesus and it was not written in chapter and verse. Basically, this is the final words he wants to conclude with. So in conclusion, be strong in the Lord, or be empowered through your union with him. Draw your strength from him, that strength which his boundless might provides. Now what I've done is i pulled this particular verse out of a word study in the Greek, and I wanna read some things for you here. This word strong is a compound word in the Greek E-N-D-U-N-A-M-A-O, or n endumeo. Dunam, it's two words, E-N comes from, it's a prefix that comes from I-N, so it means in. Dunameo comes from the Greek word, you've been taught well here, dunamis, or the supernatural power and ability from on high. So what he's told us to do, is we are to be strong in supernatural power. Be strong in God's supernatural ability. Let me read on. It, this word represents a picture of an explosive power, that is being deposited in some type of container, vessel, or other form of receptacle. In other words, it's necessary that this power finds a receptacle. Yeah. It finds something to operate within. Yeah. Amen? Amen? You know, we all enjoy fireworks at uh, July 4th and and uh, well, anytime, but it's particularly July 4th. And we enjoy them, you know, uh, at, uh, you know at New Year's Eve, and New Year's night, and uh, um, when the clock strikes midnight, and we just enjoy those things. And maybe special occasions at the lake, or, or wherever, or maybe at Disney, or whatever, wherever, Six Flags, we enjoy those. But if they didn't use tubes, pipe, to put those charges in, they would have nothing but an explosion on the ground and it would not be pretty. It would not be contained. It would not find its destination. You see, God has created his power, his dunamis, to implant on the inside of us that we can use it as a spiritual force for our lives. We must have that receptacle ready and open. You see, we are spirit beings created in His image and after His likeness for what purpose? To be used with His power. To not only be recipients of, to not only be containers of, but to be conduits of. In other words, take that power to the world. It's not just for selfish reasons. It's to take that power to to all the world and preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, amen? Amen? Amen. So that's the purpose of that power. So we could actually read this verse to to the degree to where God is designed us as receptacles of that divine power, and he's essentially saying, receive a supernatural strengthening and an internal positive power into your inner man. So that's what he's saying, to be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. You see, that enemy, Satan, the devil that we read about in 1 Peter, the enemy of our faith, we don't have to duke it out with him ourselves. He is already defeated. Yeah. And God has put supernatural power by the Holy Spirit on the inside of every believer yeah. for the purpose of defeating the devil and overcoming his temptation. Yeah. Overcoming his, his oppression, overcoming. Well, that is know how to cope with whatever. That's why you need the Lord Jesus Christ in your life and you need the power of the Holy Spirit and all that he has given you and you can fellowship with him on a regular basis. Any time, day or night, he will never leave you. He will never forsake you, amen. 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 That's how you cope. I hear a lot of mamsy-pamsy whiners in the body of Christ. Turn to your neighbor and say, I know he's not talking about you. And as Christians, we need to drop the H and add an N. Stop being a whiner and become the winner that he's made us to be. Amen. I'm sorry if I hurt anybody's feelings. No, I'm not. I'm not trying to hurt feelings. I'm trying to show you who you are in Christ. Amen. Who he's made us to be. He he made us in his likeness. He made us to be like him. We are spiritual creatures. We are speaking spirits. We are containers of the presence of God. We are containers of the Holy Ghost, the third person of the Trinity, amen. The greater one dwells on the inside of us, hallelujah. Well, I just don't like it when the devil comes and he tries to tempt me and he steals and kills and destroys. I don't like it either but I evict him quickly. I have authority over him. You have authority over him. It's called the name of Jesus. Amen. So turn with me, turn with me over to Hebrews chapter four. Hebrews, I'm sure Pastor Don has used this before, but my wife taught me this years ago. This is a scriptural reference that the men are supposed to get up and make the coffee every morning, Hebrews. I said, honey, that's why I bought you a Keurig. I'm not a coffee guy, so I don't do coffee. So Hebrews chapter four, look at verse two. Hebrews chapter four, verse two. For unto us was this gospel preached as well as unto them But the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. Now look at this in the Amplified. It helps us a little bit. For indeed, we have had the the glad tidings or the gospel of God proclaimed to us just as truly as they, the Israelites of old did, when the good news of deliverance from bondage came. In other words, it, it came to them. Remember, when God said, through Moses let my people go, and eventually Pharaoh let them go. And deliverance came to them. Deliverance from oppression and bondage came to them. What is that? All the stories primarily, predominantly, in the Old Testament are a type and a shadow of what we have in the New Testament. They were delivered. Their clothing didn't grow old. Their shoes did not wear out 40 years. But here's a big problem. They wandered around in the wilderness for 40 years, not 40 days, 40 years. But it's only an 11 day walk. Why is that? Because they weren't in faith. They were in doubt and fear and unbelief. And I could add another one, strife. Amen? Amen. So, We've heard that same gospel message. And it says, it did not benefit them. Why? Because it was not mixed with faith, with the leaning on the entire personality of God. The same thing applies to us. That's why it's in the New Testament that we're reading. If we don't mix faith with what we hear, we won't overcome. We won't overcome. You know, my brother and I were delivered from, from alcoholic family members and uh, addicted to um, gambling dad and poverty and, and guilt and condemnation and garbage of life. I could tell you all kinds of crazy stories that don't have time tonight, but there are still people in my family that heard the same, same gospel and the same word that we heard and they're still not delivered. Why is that? Choice. Their eyes are on the wrong things. Now I've gotta hurry, but look over at verse 12. It says, for the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Look at verse 14. It says, seeing then that we have a great high priest, that is the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession or confession of faith. Verse 16 says, let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain a mercy and find grace and help in the time of need. We're to come boldly before the throne of grace. What does that enable us to do? That gets rid of doubt. That gets rid of fear. That gets rid of unbelief. Well, how can I come boldly before him? Because I have a relationship with him through the Lord Jesus Christ. Now turn over to Mark as I wind this down. Mark chapter four. Matthew, excuse me, Mark chapter four. There's a story here that it's important. We all know it. If you've been in church at any amount of time and you've read the New Testament, you know this story. I'm not going to read all of the story, but it's found in verses 35 through 41. Jesus just spoke the parable and he, he was sharing with people But he comes to his disciples and he said, let us go to the other side. Let's pass over to the other side. And it says, there was not only the ship that his disciples and certainly a crew were in, but there were also with him other little ships. And so there's a whole Jesus armada going across the Sea of Galilee. Now notice it doesn't say, thus saith the Lord or God commanded me But Jesus has a purpose in everything he says. That means that when he spoke a command, he didn't say, boys, what do y'all think about going on a boat ride? Or let's pray together and let's ask God what we're supposed to do next. No, he didn't do any of that. He said, let's pass over to the other side. And how many know he didn't say, let us pass over. (laughs) King James is, is pretty Elizabethan English and pretty polite most of the time, and that's not what he was saying. You know what he said? He said, let's go to the other side. It was a commandment. And when God commands you to do something, now listen very carefully. If you don't hear anything else, hear this. When God commands us to do something, every resource necessary, spirit, soul, and body, is now available for you to pass over to the other side. This was not a vacation cruise. There's a purpose for going to the other side. You read the next chapter and you find out the purpose. Won't go there now and don't read ahead, cheater. But what happens? When God tells us to do something, do you think the enemy is just gonna sit idly by and not try to upend that will and that purpose? No, anytime God tells you to do something, the enemy's going to be there and he's gonna use his same tricks, doubt, fear, and unbelief, to try to sidetrack God's purpose for your life. So look at this verse. It says there arose, in verse 37, a great storm of wind and the waves beat into the ship so that it was now full. What do you think it's full of? Water. Do you know that it's not the water that beats onto the ship that can sink the ship? It's the water that's in the ship that can sink the ship. That's why you need to keep the water out of the ship. That's right. Amen? It goes on and says, and he was in the hinder part of the ship asleep on a pillow. And they awake him and said unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? How many know they? these are Jews? They didn't say it like that. Jesus, we're about to die here. Now, 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 Now picture this. Just think about, they're being tossed and turned. They're sick, they're fearful. They think they're gonna die. Who's gonna wake him up? Not me. Peter, you wake him up. No, I'm, I'm gonna get in trouble later. I mean, you know they had a debate on who's gonna wake up the master, right? But it says they. So here's his whole staff. Jesus, we're gonna die and you're asleep. Your pillow's floating. When they used that phrase, carest thou not, what were they questioning? His love. His love. When your children say, don't you care about me? They're questioning your love. When people ask that question of you, they're questioning your love. They were questioning his love. When there's an absence of love, there's only one spirit that operates in that environment, and that's fear. Because perfect love casts out all fear. But there's no love going on in this boat right now by these disciples. It goes on and says, he arose, verse 39, and rebuked the wind, and said unto the sea, peace be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. Now what I want you to see by this is, is this. This is Jesus' response to the enemy of faith, to the purpose of God being enacted or activated and them going to the other side. He stood up to it. He didn't roll back over and said, good luck, fellas. Hope you can swim. Have you got your flotation devices on? No. He stood up to the wind, he stood up to the, to the waves, and he spoke to them, he rebuked them. Right. And then he said what needed to be said. He spoke those things which be not as though they were. Peace, Amen. be still. Didn't give it a choice. Oh, he didn't say, oh God, I hope you calm this storm really fast, we could die, oh God. He didn't do that, he commanded the storm to yeah, cease. He commanded the waves to be still. Yeah. He commanded the, the wind to cease. He's giving us our walking papers here. Yeah. We have the authority over the attacks that come against us. That's right. That's right. We're not to always beg God for his help. If we're born again, And particularly if we're spirit-filled, that means we've been given the authority and the dunamis power on the inside of us, the dynamite power that we have the authority to stand up against the attacks. Are you with me tonight? We've been given that authority, the same authority that Jesus has. We've been given his name. Amen. Amen. You can't stand up to a storm and say, well, Pastor Don says. That won't work. Remember the seven sons of Sceva said, they tried to use the name of Jesus but they didn't have a relationship with the name. And the demons said, well, we know Jesus and we know Paul but we don't know who you are. And the first streakers happened in the Bible. Seven of them run out of town, stripped naked. You know, the next story is pretty wild too. If you think following Jesus is boring, you don't follow the same Jesus I follow. In the next chapter, there's a demon-possessed, naked guy running loose in the graveyard. How would you like to take your family to the funeral? Like that? Grandma, don't look. Grandma, just close your eyes. Pray, Grandma, pray. No, following Jesus is the wildest, most cool thing you could ever do. Amen. Why? Not just because of what he does, but because of what he's done, and we get to live out the purpose and the plan and with the authority that he's provided. Yes. Yes. We get to see signs, wonders, and miracles too. Yes. Amen. Amen. So it goes on and says, he wasn't finished rebuking, by the way. Verse 40, he said unto them, why are you so fearful? how is it that you have no faith? Or the Amplified says, why are you so timid and fearful? You see, why does it use the word timid? It's the same word that's in 1 Timothy 1, seven, that says, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love. That's 2 Timothy 1, seven, But of power, love, and a sound mind. God has not given us a spirit of timidity, It's a Greek word, dailia, D-E-I-L-I-A, which means the spirit of timidity. God has not given us the spirit of timidity. God gave us the Holy Spirit. That's a bold spirit. The righteous are as bold bold as a lion, not timid as a kitty cat. (laughs) The righteous are as bold as a lion. The enemy needs to hear us growl. Come on, somebody. Well, I just don't know. I just don't, have that kind, I just don't have that kind of spirit about me. You need to get one. You read the New Testament and you pray in the Holy Ghost, you'll be built up on your faith, on your most holy faith, and that boldness will come out of you. It doesn't mean that we're going to eliminate all attacks. It means that we're going to overcome them by the authority that's vested in us by the Lord Jesus Christ. So watch this, he said, why are you so fearful? Look at the Amplified again. Why are you so fearful and timid? How is it that you have no faith? You're not relying on God. The word fearful simply means full of fear. He's saying you're full of fear. Why were they full of fear? Because they were not in love with God, remember? Master, carest thou not that we perish? We've all participated in and viewed what I call the Walmart syndrome or the supermarket syndrome. That screaming child that you can hear all the way on the other side of the store and you're praying, please don't let them come over here and shop on this side of the store. And I found more and more today, parents just ignore them. They'll keep pushing their cart and they'll be looking at their phone or talking to their friend and they just ignore the screaming, tormented child. Now, why is that child in torment? Why is that child so upset? Because they didn't get what they wanted, right? They didn't get their way. But base level, why do you think it is? They think that their parents don't love them enough to give them what they want. And the enemy uses that lack of love in their hearts to torment them. And the worst thing you can do is cater to that thing. And I mean, and the stores don't help us because we have to run through the gauntlet of temptation at the cashier. (laughs) And it just doesn't tempt the kids. It tips dad. Oh, look at that. Look at that pocket measuring tape. I need a six foot measuring tape. I need that that little flashlight. I need that. And you women, don't don't y'all look at me in that tone of voice. There's temptations for you there too. It's all the latest news of the celebrities. I mean, fake news has been around ever since there's been National Enquirer, come on. Actually, fake news started out in the Garden of Eden. But let me wind this down. So how do I deal with that doubt? What is doubt? Mark eleven twenty three says, Whosoever shall say to this mountain, Be thou removed, be thou cast in the sea, shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe those things which he saith shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he saith. It says in the Amplified, a little bit different, but look at, look at the first part of the Amplified here. It says, Jesus replying, said to them, have faith in God. That's verse 22, constantly have faith in God. What did he just do? He licensed you and me to have faith in God. The same kind of faith that God walks in. The God kind of faith. And then he says, Truly, I tell you, whosoever says to, the, whoever says to this mountain, be lifted up and thrown into the sea. Notice it says be. He didn't say, would you? We don't negotiate with our mountains, we command our mountains. Right. Why is that? Because that word say or says is a Greek word, E-P-O, epo, that means to command. That's why he said, be cast into the sea. We are to command mountain. It's the same word that Jesus said, peace, be still. It's a command. We are to command our mountains. We are to command our storms. We are to command those temptations. We are to command those sicknesses. We are to command that that poverty. We're to command it. We don't barter with it. We don't negotiate it with, we command it. We tell it where to go because we've been given that authority. It's the same word back in Hebrew in Genesis 1. In the King James, God said to the darkness, let there be light. But in Hebrew, this is what he said, light be. Light didn't have a choice. right. But to become light. That's right. Amen. He created something out of nothing with his words, by his authority. We do the same thing. We create something out of nothing. Everybody talks about, well, I'm just still waiting for an open door. Really, God needs a door? God makes a way where there seems to be no way. God doesn't need a door. He doesn't need a gate. He doesn't need a fence. He doesn't need an opening. We command something to go forth. That's That's what faith does. This is not Monty Hall, let's make a deal, faith. (laughs) Teenagers just Google what I just said. (laughs) No, God is not showing us door number one, door number two, or door number three. We don't need a door to believe God. God doesn't need a door to open for you. He can make a door. He can create create an opening. Come on, somebody. That sounds real spiritual, but it's not. It's spiritually ignorant to say God has to use doors. God doesn't need a door. God makes things. He creates things from nothing. He told light to be. Light is still being created from nothing into the expanse of dark holes. The Hubble telescope has been retooled by our our astronauts before the space shuttle went out of commission. It's been retooled with modern technology that they can see further into space. And if you have National Geographic or you've seen some shows, you can see what they call nebula or nebulae is the plural of stars being formed even now. Because God said one time, light be. Light is still becoming from the first time and only time he commanded it. amen. Amen. So we're to command that mountain. And then he said, and shall not doubt in his heart. How do you know that you have doubt? You know you have doubt when there's a lack of confidence and assurance. Now some of you are thinking I'm gonna miss it here, but I'm just gonna do this to prove a point. Pastor Don, it's so good to be with you here today. Would you stand up? (laughs) Pastor Don, it's so good to be with you today, thank you for your hospitality, it's good to be here, good to fellowship with you, so good. That, that, that's right, Pastor Don, right? Well, no. No, no, you're not Pastor Don? No, I'm better looking. You're better looking, <laughs> good, good answer, good answer. So are you sure you're not Pastor Don? I'm positive. So what's your name? Pastor Jeff. Pastor Jeff, are you sure? I'm positive. There's no doubt, you see, when you know who you are, When you know your identity, there's no doubt. When you know who you are in Christ, there's no doubt. When you know your position of authority, there's no doubt. You know who you are. You're a son of the living God. You say, well, what if I'm a woman? You're still a son of the living God. (laughs) It's about sonship. Why is that? It's about the birthright. It's about the authority goes with the name on the son. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Bill Clinton didn't become Bill Rodham Clinton. <laughs> Even though she may have wanted that to happen. That's all I'll say. No, you take on the name of the son, the guy, because he has the birthright. Spiritually, scripturally, in the Bible, we take on the name of the son. That's why we're called Christians. It's not Jesus' last name. It's his position. It means the anointed one. The word Christian means little anointed one or of Christ of the anointed one. We are, if we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, if we've confessed him as our Lord, not Savior, it says if we confess him as our Lord and believe God raised him from the dead, we shall be saved. In other words, he becomes our Savior when we confess him as our Lord. Amen, Amen. That's, good. That's, good. That's why there's a lot of people call themselves Christians. They don't act like Christians, why? Because they've never made Jesus their Lord. So as I close tonight, the rest of that verse tells us something significant. We don't doubt in our heart, but we believe those things which we say. The King James says saith. Here's the second Greek word, but it's the same English word. L-A-L-E-O, laleo, which means to boldly declare. You see, we are to epo, we are to command mountains. We're to tell them where to go. But we're also supposed to boldly declare who we are in Christ and our identity in Him. We're not to be ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it's the power of God unto salvation. That's Romans. So we're to boldly declare who we are in Christ, therefore doubt cannot creep in. And then it goes on to say, When we believe those things which we say shall come to pass, we shall have whatsoever we say, says in the King James. Third time the word say is used, different Greek word. It's the Greek word we all recognize as parents and grandparents, L-E-G-O, lego. Now the Lego company that made these building blocks, and if you look on the, on the box, it says building blocks. They made this toy of building blocks, and of course it's morphed into all kinds of stuff now. By the way, they're a curse around your house when you get up in the middle of the night, <laughs> and you haven't trained your children to put them up, put them all away, or one sneaks out from under the sofa or the chair, the dog has drug it out from underneath the sofa and laid it there for you to step on in the middle of the night. Thank God our grandkids live with their parents. <laughs> I buy them Legos, but only to take to their house. Not, I don't keep them at my house. But they, they found a word that identified their toy, a Greek word called Lego. They didn't invent the word Lego, they invented the building blocks and identified a catchy term that would identify their toy. So what has Jesus said to us? That we will have whatever we build with our words. That's good. So what did he tell us? He told us that we're to boldly declare, we're to have the same faith as God, and we're to boldly declare and command our mountain. We're to boldly declare who we are in Christ. And thirdly, we're to build with our words what we want to see. We see every one of these scenarios happening here in Mark. Jesus acted out everything that he taught in Mark 11. So I encourage you tonight to face doubt, to face fear, to face unbelief with the word of God, with your relationship with him, to have the same kind of faith that God has. And he told us in verse 23 exactly what it is. That we speak to our mountain. We command that mountain where to go. In the name of Jesus, of course. That we boldly declare who we are and what we have by faith. I am a child of the living God. Thank you, Lord, for who I am in you. I'm a son of the living God, and I thank you that you've given me authority by the lordship of Jesus Christ. I believe on the name of Jesus. When the Bible says, when we call upon the name of the Lord, we shall be saved, it's not just talking about salvation Christ. to heaven. It's talking about salvation from anything. It's an all-encompassing word, sozo, S-O-Z-O, that means an all-encompassing salvation. That means when we call upon the name of the Lord and we boldly declare who we are, we have salvation in every area of our lives. And therefore, we not only command that mountain, we not only boldly declare, but we begin to build with our words the things we want to see That's why Jesus said peace, peace, shalom. That's what he actually said. Shalom, nothing missing, nothing broken. The peace of God, that's what he spoke. And if we were to read the whole story, it instantly took place. But what was the response of the disciples? it's not the same that we would have. We would have a response because of what we know now, Jesus, forgive us, forgive us, we should have had the same kind of faith. But what does it say? They were even greater afraid. They were even more afraid. You see, the spirit of fear is hard to root out, but you can if you're in faith. Faith works by Love, right? right? Faith works by love. And so where there's love, there can be no fear and your faith is free to operate. Right. If you're in strife and you're harboring ought and resentment, he goes on later in the chapter and addresses this. If we're har- harboring ought, somebody asked me one time, what's ought? It's things you shouldn't, you ought not think about other people. It's words you ought not say about people. If you're harboring aught against any, forgive it says. That's what love does, love forgives aught. amen? So we can't stay in ought or strife, we overcome it by the word, amen? If you're here tonight and you're not in fellowship with the Lord, you're not in relationship with him, but you wanna be. You say tonight, Brother John, I need Jesus. I need Jesus bad. I need Jesus really bad. I need that kind of authority operational in my life. I need that kind of victory operation in my life. I need that kind of confidence that I can have where I can boldly declare the things of God because I need Jesus in my life. I haven't professed him as my Lord or I've been out of fellowship with him and I need to come back with him tonight. Pray for me with every head up, every eye open and everybody looking around. Oh, what are we doing that for? Because people peek anyway. And if you can't have the courage to make this declaration in front of these people, you won't have the courage to make this declaration in front of the world. So you would say, I'm not right with God. I need to be right with God. Would you lift your hand right now and let me pray with you? Thank you. All over this room. All over this room. Would you pray this prayer and everybody pray this prayer out loud in support of these lifting their hand? Let's all lift a hand toward heaven and say, Heavenly Father, I know that you love me with an everlasting love. And I believe that you raised Jesus from the dead. And I now confess him as my Lord. My leader, my boss, I submit to his authority. And according to the word of God, I'm now saved. Thank you for forgiving me and cleansing me from all unrighteousness in Jesus' name. Would you give him a shout right now? Hallelujah. Hallelujah.